0: Please open your Bibles to John chapter 18. Last week we studied up through verse 11 of chapter 18, so today we'll be picking up our study in verse 12, but as we often do, I'd like to stay within the context of the chapter, so uh, let's go back and we'll start reading at verse 1. So, John chapter 18, verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Jesus, therefore, knowing all things that would come upon him, went forward and said to them, Whom are you seeking? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. And Judas, who betrayed him, also stood with them. Now when he said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. Therefore, if you seek me, let these go their way. That the saying might be fulfilled, which he spoke, of those whom you gave me, I have lost none. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword into the sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me. And now, picking up in verse 12, then the detachment of troops and the captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. Now, remember, last week we talked about what this detachment of troops consisted of. There were over 600 men, fully armed, to arrest one man, the Son of God, the lamb of god jesus christ i encourage you if you didn't listen to last week's study to go back and uh, listen to that but we'll move on now in verse 13 and they led him away to annas first for he was uh, the high excuse me the father-in-law of caiaphas who was the high priest that year now just a little background here on this character annas Annas was the high priest for several years, but he lost his position when he had put a young man to death for not keeping the Sabbath. You see, the Jews at this time were under Roman rule, and it was against the law to put a man to death for the reason that Annas did. The Jews, as a matter of fact, didn't have the right in their court system to sentence somebody to the death. That had to be something that the Romans had to do. So, uh, Annas here wasn't put in jail, but the Romans forced him to be removed from his position as high priest. But the Jewish people, however, continued to recognize Annas as their true high priest, and Annas kind of ran things behind the scenes. Now, Caiaphas was one of uh, six sons or sons-in-laws of Annas to have held the position of high priest. So what happened here was that Annas um, kept it all in the family. And he kept power in spite of having been removed from power. So, you see, religious politics were dirty even back then. But since Annas was not officially the high priest at this time, It was not right for Jesus to be brought to him, um, as he was on this night here. So they uh, went ahead and took him to Caiaphas. And verse 14 says, Now it was Caiaphas who advised the Jews that it was expedient that one man should die for the people. So John here again points out, as he did back in chapter 11, that Caiaphas had actually... Um, made a very profound and very prophetic statement when he said that one man needed to die for the salvation of all mankind. But nonetheless, Caiaphas was still an evil man and would not put a stop to the execution of Jesus Christ, but he would uh, allow it to be carried out. But anyway, uh, verse 15 says, And Simon Peter followed... Jesus, okay? So here they are leading um Jesus away. He's been arrested. They've taken him to the high priest and all that. All that's going on and it says there in verse 15 that Simon Peter followed Jesus. Now, I want us to stop right here in the Gospel of John and let's go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 26. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament and um You see, we're going to see something very interesting take place here. We're going to actually get uh, the rest of the story or another uh, part of the story here in Matthew, but uh, just to kind of refresh your memory there, uh, in uh, chapter 18 of John, verse 15, we just read that Simon Peter followed Jesus. So in Matthew chapter 26, same thing has taken place. Jesus has been arrested. This is Matthew's account of it. He's being led to the high priest. And uh, Peter and another disciple are following the mob that is leading Jesus away. So now looking down at verse 58 of Matthew chapter 26, it says, But Peter followed him at a distance to the high priest's courtyard. And he went in and he sat with the servants to see the end. So you see, when we read in John that Peter... Uh, follow Jesus, it wasn't like, hey, he was staying by Jesus' side. He wasn't Mr. Macho here. Uh, He wasn't showing valor. He wasn't trying to save Jesus or anything like that. He was curious as to what was going to happen, but he also wanted to keep his distance. Today, there are people that want to proclaim that they are followers of Jesus Christ, but they feel more comfortable keeping their distance. That way, they think they can have their cake and eat it too. But as we're about to see was the case with Peter, following Jesus only when it's convenient and times are good and not when it's difficult will only get you into more trouble. Keeping your distance from Jesus is not a good thing if you're proclaiming to be a follower of his. And flipping back now to John chapter 18 And uh, reading verse 15 again, and then we'll read right on into 16, it says, And Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest, and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to her who kept the door, and brought Peter in. Now, it is said that this other disciple spoken of here is John, the writer of this gospel. Uh, and tradition says that when John was a, a younger man, uh, when he was a young boy, actually, he worked at a, a fish shop where the high priest and his family were known to buy fish. But you know, that's that's how they say. John knew the high priest's family and all that, but it really doesn't matter in the context of the story here. But there was some way or another that this other disciple, whoever it was, knew the high priest and got Peter through the door. Then, verse 17, the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, You are not also one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now, Just to jog your memory here, let's turn back to John chapter 13. Just uh, Should just be a few pages back from where we are now, John chapter 13. And uh, let's read verses 33 through 38, just to kind of refresh ourselves on the whole story with Peter here. Um, So starting in verse 33, Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. This is Jesus speaking here. You will seek me, and as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. Okay? now back in John chapter 18, Peter has now denied Jesus once in verse 17, when questioned by a servant girl. We see, just a little while before this here, Peter was very bold when those 600 plus armed soldiers came. And he was bold when he had a sword in his hand. But now, all of a sudden, he is a coward in the presence of a little servant girl. And you know, we can't look at this and fault Peter. How many times have each one of us failed in this life? You know, I believe this story of Peter is an encouraging story. Because even though we see Peter failing here, He was used by God in his lifetime in a very mighty way. And we have the book of Peter in our Bibles that testifies to how God approved of Peter. And we also see him written about in the book of Acts. And the encouragement for you and me is that the love of God never fails us. No matter our blunders, our mistakes, he loves us. And he desires that we grow through those mistakes in our love for and our dependence upon him. Verse 18, back in John chapter uh, 18. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coals stood there, for it was cold, and they warmed themselves. And Peter stood with them and warmed himself. So here we see that some of this mob group that had arrested Jesus had made a fire to keep warm. The Son of God is being thrown around somewhere in a back room, and here's Peter warming himself with the wrong crowd. Remember when he was sleeping, when Jesus asked him to be praying? Now here he is warming himself by a fire with the wrong crowd of people. This is another way that that we can make a huge mistake as as followers of Jesus today. Hanging around and cozying up to the wrong crowd of people. You see, at first we see that Peter is following from afar. Or keeping his distance. Not quite willing to be tagged as one of Jesus' men. And now he's gone one step farther. He's warming himself with the fire that the enemies of Jesus have made. You see, when life gets cold for us, we need to run to the fire of the Lord and His Word and not to the fires of this world to warm ourselves. I've seen many Christians go through times where the Lord seems afar off from them and they run back to the world to find warmth and comfort in the things that they know will only destroy them. Then there are those that want to claim Jesus in their hearts and in their heads but will not proclaim him to others around them for the fear of what might happen to them. And that's where Peter is now. And it's where any one of us can be on any given day. So here again, I don't Look back at Peter in this, and I don't think we should. I think Peter's story is in the Bible as a story of comfort for us because we're all weak in one way, shape, or form. The high priest, verse 19, then asked Jesus about his disciples and his doctrine. Now, it really doesn't say specifically here, but the high priest might have been asking Jesus to tell him who his disciples were, And where he got his doctrine from. You know, maybe they wanted to go out and track down the rest of the disciples. And and he wanted Jesus to, to say something that incriminated himself here in regards to his doctrine. But verse 20 says, Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple, where the Jews always meet, and in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. You see, we need to keep in mind here that though Jesus has been arrested and is facing a trial, He is totally innocent. He is guilty of absolutely nothing. Everything Jesus said and did was done openly before all men and women. He wasn't hiding things behind the scene because he had nothing to hide. He was good and righteous. He was as good and righteous as good and righteous can be. Turn toward the back of your Bibles. To Hebrews chapter 4, you'll find the book of Hebrews between Philemon and James. Hebrews chapter 4, and we're going to start reading in verse 14. Hebrews 4.14, it says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Okay, so as we are seeing in our study of John 18, Jesus is now standing before a high priest. Okay, but the one high priest, Annas, is about as crooked as, as crooked can get. Both of these high priests are religious, political figures that accept bribes, and they do underhanded things. And look at Annas. He he kept himself in power, even though he was forced to step down for wrongfully ordering the murder of a man. But Jesus is our great high priest, as it says there. He has passed through the heavens. In other words, He has ascended on high and is seated on His throne in heaven above all else. And we need to hold strong to our confession of faith in Him and know that He understands this life that we now live, because in verse 15 here in Hebrews, it says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. You see, I've said this to you before, but Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. And as a man, he was tempted in every way that you and I are tempted, which according to 1 John 2.16, the temptations of this world are centered in three things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. So Jesus was tempted in every one of those ways, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. So Jesus understands every one of those things, but he kept himself pure from each one of them. But since he understands, verse 16 says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of what? Grace. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So we have this wonderful throne of grace that we can come boldly before. We can cry out to Jesus through any trials, through any struggles, through any temptations. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you can surrender your life to Jesus Christ because it is a throne of grace. The time is coming when it will no longer be a throne of grace. That time is, is getting shorter and shorter. And turning back now To John chapter 18. Though Jesus was completely innocent. He is standing before a very unrighteous judge. With whom he will find no mercy. You know, Jesus received what he did not deserve. In order that we might receive what we do not deserve. Think about that. Let that sink into your heart. Jesus received what He did not deserve in order that we might receive what we do not reserve, deserve. Excuse me. Now, let's go ahead and read verses um, 20 and 21 again just to stay within the context when we go to verse 22. So back in John chapter 18, verse 20, Jesus answered him, I spoke openly to the world. I always taught in synagogues and in the temple where the Jews always meet, and in secret I have said nothing. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. Indeed, they know what I said. And when he had said these things, one of the officers who stood by struck Jesus with the palm of his hand, saying, Do you answer the high priest like that? Now, we don't know this officer's name that struck Jesus here. But we know for sure that this goes down in history as the most uncalled-for thing of all time. You think you've suffered something unjustly or, you know, undeserving? I mean, come on. Jesus never did nor said anything wrong, and this man hits him in the face. You know, if, if someone were to walk up to me today and just strike me in the face, You know, there would be no way that I could say, I have never done anything in my life deserving of that. But Jesus could say that. And Jesus here was going through a horrible injustice. But again, why did he do it? He did it for you and me. Jesus answered him in verse 23. If I have spoken evil, bear witness of the evil. But if well, why do you strike me? You know, I'd hate to be that guy. (laughs) How'd you like to be the first person that ever punched God in the face? (laughs) Oh my goodness. But here again, in some way, shape, or form, we all have sinned. We all have fallen short of the glory of God. We all have offended a holy, righteous God in some way or another. And when Jesus gets up on that cross, he's going to deal with that guy. Yeah, he's going to he's gonna deal with him, all right. You know how he's going to deal with him? If it, were, if it were you and me, what would we do? We'd call down fire, <laughs> you know, but not Jesus. You know when he gets on that cross and we're going to see it when we get there but he's going to say father forgive them for they know not what they do he forgave all those that put him on that cross jesus never got revenge on anyone the only thing he got revenge on was sin and death and there again that was for you and me praise be to god for that Then verse 24, then Annas sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. So now Jesus will go before the, quote, official high priest, I guess you could say now. And you know, he's going it alone because that one guy that said he would never deny him, the one who fell asleep when Jesus was in agony in the garden, well, He's still back there, warming himself by the fires of the world, and that's what verse twenty five tells us it says now Simon Peter stood and warmed himself, therefore they said to him, "You are not also one of his disciples, are you?" He denied it and said, "I am not." well, there he goes again. The second denial of Jesus. Verse 26, one of the servants of the high priest, the relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, said, Did I not see you in a garden with him? Now here we go. This was Peter's last chance to take a stance for Jesus Christ. He could have answered here and said, Yes, it was me, and I'm standing in defense of my Lord. Verse 27, though, says, Peter then denied again, and immediately a rooster crowed. So Jesus knew this was going to happen, but Peter was sure that it never would. You know, later on in the story of Peter's life, he will end up dying the death of a martyr for the name of Jesus Christ. But he will do so not as a result of standing on his own resolve and and uh you know having pride within himself to saying, "I'll never deny Jesus." no, he'll do it because the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon him, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, and he'll have that power in him to live his life for Jesus Christ, and we'll study that in the book of Acts. And you see, Matthew also, uh, the Gospel of Matthew records that after the rooster crowed, Peter wept bitterly, it says. And you know, it's always darkest just before the dawn. And these denials of Jesus represented the end of a dark time in Peter's soul and the dawning of a new day for Peter. Think about that with that rooster crowing. Probably crowed there at the the dawn of a new day, though, you know, I I went on a mission trip in Mexico one time, and the roosters crowed all night long. But anyway, here's a very dark moment in Peter's life. But uh, there's a dawning of a new day coming for Peter. And you know, when a person finally comes to a place where they recognize their failures and their inadequacies. They repent of trying to do it on their own and within their own strength. And then what happens is a new life begins. They surrender, they give up, and they turn to Jesus. And the Son of God rises up in their hearts, and the darkness fades into light. And that light is the light of His grace. And once one is born again in this way, old things have passed away and all things become new. So here again, I think Peter's story is a a story of encouragement for you and me. And in this chapter, we see a guilty man, cozy and warm by the fire, and an innocent man being struck in the face and wrongfully accused. But you know, here again, that's God's love on display. You and me deserved the punishment for our sins, but Jesus took our place. Let's stop here for today. God bless. Thanks for listening.